Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. and welcome back to Mum of the Word, the parenting podcast. I'm Grace Victory and I am your host this week. This week I am very excited for our guest. So we're going to be talking about hypnobirthing and just giving birth in general and I feel like I need this chat post two births, two C-sections and I feel like mothers and fathers actually need some more honest information in regards to birthing especially with all of the information that we are getting fed left right and center so i am looking forward to this when we get pregnant especially for the first time most of us create a birth plan and for 99 percent of us the moment we get to the hospital the whole thing starts to fall apart Today's guest is Megan Rossiter and she is a registered hypnobirthing expert, has a diploma in hypnobirthing and is the current co-chair of Kingston NHS Trust Maternity Voices Partnership. Megan runs the website BirthEd that has helped thousands of women all over the world make the right choices for their pregnancies and deliveries right up to the moment the baby arrives. Having supported so many women through the process, she now completely understands how we vastly underestimate what giving birth involves and vastly overestimate what the maternity system can provide. Megan, welcome to the podcast. So you have two children yourself. What was your level of experience and expertise when you were going through your own pregnancies? So I was actually training to be a midwife at the time. I was in my second year um, when I fell pregnant with my first baby. Um, So that was, I was very much approaching that from quite a kind of medical scientific perspective, I suppose. Um, And I went back to that after my first child was born. He is now seven. Um, So I went back to it uh, for about five or six months and then just finances and all of the ridiculousness that comes with being a student and the NHS um, meant that I paused again and in that time set up BirthEd, which is the organisation that I run now, trained to teach hypnobirthing. I used hypnobirthing tools and courses ahead of my first birth so set birth ed up during that sort of slight pause and 
basically found that I was able to support women and families in a way that I just wasn't able to kind of working within the NHS. So I decided not to go back. So I did have that kind of insight into working into the in the maternity system and actually supporting people in labour and throughout pregnancy, which has really shaped the kind of support that I provide now. But then before my second baby was born, I had been working, running birth ed full time for, I think, five years by the time he was born so yeah very very much in the depths of it by then. I feel like we get told a lot of horror stories with birthing with the NHS and a lot of you know stories that I read and you know friends and family they haven't had the best experience. Why do you think that is? I mean it's probably two or threefold as to reasons why that is. So at the moment in particular, the NHS has been underfunded for a very, very long time. There is a midwifery crisis. There aren't enough staff. So even the really, really wonderful, fantastic midwives often aren't able to provide the information they want to provide. They're like nuanced, balanced, personalised conversations they want to provide because they're so stretched in terms of actually just providing clinical care. So the role of a midwife at the moment is very different, I think, than the role that most midwives thought they were going to take on when they decided to train to be a midwife. Midwife, when you change the word, means with woman. And it's very hard when you're seeing a different midwife every single appointment and you're meeting a different midwife in labour than you've met during pregnancy. It's really difficult from a midwife's perspective to be able to build those relationships, which is such a important part of midwifery care so there's that is the the first aspect of it the second aspect is just the kind of culture of the maternity system itself so it exists in the way that it exists now since about the 1970s the kind of medical model of care where the majority of women are going into hospital to give birth to their babies where guidance and information is very much kind of almost obstetric led now in the UK rather than midwifery led. We still have a midwifery led system, but I think it's something like only about 20% of women are actually only accessing midwifery led care. The rest are have a doctor involved in some way in their care. And there can be a real kind of at odds between a medical system and a medical model of care versus a model of care that is prioritizing experience and physiology and sometimes they don't match up in the way that we might want them to and the way that they could if we were just a little bit better at talking to each other from a kind of care provider perspective so I think that's part of it and that's I think something that with the right information and the right understanding of how that maternity system exists who holds responsibility who holds power that when women and families have that information then you are actually in quite a powerful position to be able to go make the most out of the system and work out actually who can I ask if I want this what are my rights what are my choices but frequently women don't have that information sometimes things aren't presented as a choice in the way that they should be presented as a choice sometimes the conversations around informed consent and things aren't happening in the way that we expect them to and quite frequently there's something that exists in maternity care that we refer to as the cascade of interventions and when families aren't aware of this, we don't realise that the choices that we're making during pregnancy, the choices that we're making during early labour, everything around 
what scans we're having, what tests we're having, what screening we're having, where we're choosing to give birth to our baby, all of these things, what pain relief we're choosing or not choosing to have, all of these things have potential implications for something that then might be needed later along the line. And when conversations are so short and consent is gained based on really kind of immediate physical risk or benefit, we don't have the kind of foresight to go have a conversation about actually, if you have a stretch and sweep at 40 weeks of pregnancy, that might make the first part of labor a little bit longer. It might then mean that you move on to have an induction of labor. An induction of labor might not work. You might have a cesarean birth. A cesarean birth carries risk. So it's when conversations aren't holistic and they're really, really focused on the very, very immediate outcomes, I think we lose sight of it there. And it's when we're not honest with women about that, with families about that, I think that's where a lot of trauma comes from. Because I think if women, you know, if we treat people like adults and we give them really balanced, honest information about what to expect from their birth, going into an induction of labour where you know it might end in a cesarean birth, where you know an instrumental birth is now more likely, where you know the sensations of labour are going to feel different than if you'd gone into spontaneous labour, but you've decided that the induction of labour still feels like the right thing for you to do. That is very, very different emotionally than somebody who is basically scared into having an induction and then gets there and is like, what? I had no idea that all of these things could happen even if the actual pathway that their births take are identical the way that you feel about them can be very I feel like you just maybe gave me the vocab just then about how I feel because my first birth obviously went tits up you know I was in a coma with COVID afterwards but I think because of that situation that impacted my second not in terms of like the trauma necessarily but the way my care was presented I immediately had a consultant I immediately had like the top top people on my team I was grateful for but my midwife Jackie I love her I definitely feel like she was sort of just pushed to the side and it was my consultant's that were leading everything. So yeah, it's very interesting because I feel like I would have maybe had, I mean, my second birth was positive, but even more positive if both teams worked more together. Yeah, because I think for a small number of births, there will really be medical complexities where the involvement of obstetricians is very helpful and very welcome. And we know obstetricians are specialists in pathology. So if somebody is unwell, you definitely want the support of a doctor to help you with your illness. And midwives ultimately are the specialists in physiology. But physiology is important however you're giving birth and whether you have illnesses alongside it or not and when we start to focus on it wholly as a medical experience or as an illness we lose sight often of the actual I suppose like transformative emotional experience that birth is however you give birth whatever that kind of looks like whatever choices you're making there is a transformation and a transition that you make as you birth your baby, that's going to happen whether we like it or not. And if we can really respect that transition and the the sort of, I suppose, sacred nature of that transition, then we, I think, can improve birth for so, so many people that are being let down by the system as it currently exists. Do you think that we're being missold the realities of pregnancy and birth by the media, 
influencers? Do you think that we're not told the truth about birthing? Because it is a natural thing, but it seems to be, I don't know, sometimes I feel like we're overcomplicating it. We definitely are. And I I think that goes in both directions. I tend to see at the moment, there tends to be like two popular conversations around birth. You've either got the oh my God, it's absolutely awful. Just turn up, hand yourselves over, let them do whatever they need to do to get the baby out alive at the end, which is not giving the power to the person that should have the power in that engagement, right? It should always lie with the person that is giving birth for them to be able to decide whatever they need to decide to make that birth experience positive. But also on the whole, birth is not an emergency event for I think the, what we see the World Health Organization says that in countries where the cesarean rate goes over 10% we don't see a difference in outcomes so for around one in 10 people we are improving outcomes by having that basically emergency intervention and absolutely for anybody that falls into that one in 10 or anybody that wants a cesarean birth or a birth with more intervention in it absolutely we are I feel very very grateful to live in a country where that is ultimately freely available and in other countries it's not but we also know that around 80% of women are experiencing intervention not necessarily cesarean birth but intervention in their births and that also another 80% of women want a ultimately straightforward vaginal birth so there's basically probably somewhere between what 60 and 70 80% of people that are being massively let down somewhere along the lines because what they wanted isn't what they're getting on the flip side we can't just say oh yeah birth always works as long as you think positively and breathe nicely which is the other conversation that happens like oh just get yourself a pool go to a lounge and you'll breathe the baby out for around one in ten women no, like mother nature plays an, a role in it. And sometimes there are complexities that do come up in pregnancy and birth. And the conversation that sometimes happens on the other side is the sort of like, if you've had intervention, then you've done something wrong. And again, that responsibility shouldn't be falling onto the shoulders of the person that's giving birth, because sometimes it's genuinely needed. Sometimes it's a lack of care that they've been provided with or any multitude of things that can kind of contribute to why that has happened but I definitely think you're right there's space for honesty in the middle around what birth actually feels like what the birth experience is actually like the kind of safety of birth for the vast majority of people and I don't think we're having conversations around that that aren't just massively sugarcoating it that aren't just being like oh it shouldn't hurt you know that's you know some messaging that sometimes comes with hypnobirthing makes it sound like oh as long as I do it right then it's absolutely gonna be fine but actually it hurts but so what you're really strong you're really capable you can manage something that hurts there's blood yeah but it's those things that we're like oh no that's going to scare people that's going to scare people so we don't want to talk about them but you know everybody that's ever had a baby knows the reality and then we could try to keep it very kind of secret so there's that reality to share but there is also the reality of like what does the modern maternity system look like now and it is letting down 
families and we need to know that it's letting down families so that we can work out how to make the most of it and there are particular groups of women that are being let down at an even higher rate than others black women are being let down at a higher rate than white women so it's those kinds of things that it is important to know but they can be quite scary conversations to have if you are actually pregnant Hi all, it's TV's Gail Porter here. I am so excited to tell you that I am joining the Paranormal Activity family and will be hosting a number of live podcast recordings across the UK. The first is on the 6th of March at London's haunted Richmond Theatre. Expect terrifying tales, audience interaction and hopefully a spirit or two. I can't wait for you to join me and to hear your own paranormal experiences. You can find tickets at www.paranormalpod.co.uk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There needs to be some sort of educational system pre-pregnancy because when you're told stuff when you're pregnant you feel scared but I feel like if you know things before you're pregnant you go into the pregnancy more informed so my second I've I've had two c-sections first c-section was an absolute medical emergency we both would have died the second one was because I had infection markers in my white blood cells they couldn't see where it was coming from I had a fast heart rate and so did my little girl so I get also why they said we suggest a c-section based on your medical history completely get it but I still have feelings of disappointment I wanted you know um, a v-back and I wanted to feel contractions because I've never had that two children and no contractions and I think I'm definitely gonna grieve that for the rest of my life, probably. And a lot of people grieve, you know. I think something that, a conversation that we really don't have around birth, particularly the kind of immediate postnatal period, is the, like, sometimes really conflicting emotions that you can feel. So, for example, feeling like I've made exactly the right decision, I'm very grateful that my baby is here safely and that I am healthy and well, 
But simultaneously, I feel overjoyed that I've got my baby, but I simultaneously feel disappointed. I feel let down. I feel what if? And it's there's not many moments in life, I don't think, until you have a baby that you can feel such conflicting emotions at the same time. Similarly, after I had my first baby, I had hoped for a home birth. That had been our plan. But we had decided it had been very much been our decision to have an induction of labour. So he was born in hospital and ultimately the birth itself was reasonably straightforward and it felt like a positive experience. But afterwards, I had that like real conflict of disappointment that I didn't get what I had pictured versus still feeling like it had gone very well and I was very happy with it and that just sits in your body so weirdly doesn't it yeah and I did hypnobirthing for both of mine so the first one that was just out the window but the second birth I had you know all my oils with me and my headphones I was doing my breathing exercises I was very calm even when they came in and said somewhere in your body you're not very well and I did feel a bit funny you know, we're going to take you down to theatre tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. I still felt very calm. And I think that is because of hypnobirthing, knowing that I was in a safe space. My team are here. I know them. I'm centred. I'm grounded. I'm capable. Hypnobirthing, I think, is incredible. You are an expert. Can you tell us more about hypnobirthing, what it is, and how it helps people give birth? So the easiest way that I can break down hypnobirthing is to split it into two parts. So you've got the hypno and you've got the birthing. So the birthing aspect of it is simply an approach to antenatal education. So it is providing you with an understanding of what happens in your body as you give birth to your baby. It is giving you an understanding of what all of your options and choices are. So everything from where you might give birth to your baby, your pain relief options, your comfort measure options, including possible interventions that might occur. A real focus, certainly in the way that I teach it, on working out how to make decisions. So how do you decide when an induction feels right, when a cesarean feels right, when an epidural feels right, when a home birth feels right, and really giving you tools to kind of take back control of a lot of those decisions and an understanding of how the maternity system works and how the choices that you're making and the conversations that you're having are likely to kind of go and that's definitely like a real focus of my work is like if we have those interventions what can we do to still make them feel like good positive birth experiences rather than sometimes the feelings of failure that we can associate with them if that's not what we had pictured as our kind of top birth and then you've got the other side of it which is the hypno side of it this is the part with the stupid name that everybody like rolls their eyes at um it's the bit that's probably the most off-putting because it just sounds a little bit strange but the word hypno is coming from the practice of hypnotherapy so hypnotherapy is used for all kinds of things like fears phobias quitting smoking losing weight hypnotherapy can help with that the aim of hypnotherapy within hypnobirthing is ultimately to reframe the subconscious thoughts and ideas that we have got about giving birth. Because whether we think so or not, we will have been taking in information about birth for all of our lives, from our own story of being born that we might have heard, to friends, families, brothers, sisters, experiences of 
being born or giving birth, all media stories. So right now we're seeing like an awful lot in the media about maternity services, about midwifery crisis, all of this kind of thing. And everything we see on the TV, you know, Bridget Jones's baby, her waters break, they scoop her up, they rush her to hospital. All of this, even the kind of comedy stuff, it goes into our brains and it sits in that subconscious part of our mind. And the reason that we need to be aware or the reason that the information that is in our subconscious mind is relevant is because everything that is in there influences both our voluntary decisions and actions and our involuntary decisions and actions. So all of the things, the decisions that we feel like we're actively making and all of the things that we do without even really noticing that we're doing them. So we want the information that is in there to be building our confidence to be building trust in ourselves and to be based on like fact and realistic information rather than fears or assumptions or ultimately sometimes just completely incorrect information that we might have taken on at some point in our lives so it's like hypnobirthing is like the mind empowering women they are stronger than they think stronger than they know and then kind of pairing that up with the physiological aspect of giving birth yeah and a lot of the talk when we're talking about the kind of the mind and how the mind works is that ultimately your mind and your body are connected completely in every way the thoughts that we're having the words that we're saying the things that we're hearing cause involuntary act physical responses in our body every day if you were to be watching the tv and you saw somebody say something funny an involuntary physical response from your body would be to laugh if somebody said something that embarrassed you involuntary physical response is that you might blush so your mind and your body are intricately connected and a lot of the conversation around hypnobirthing is how what is going on in your mind is actually impacting the physiological changes that are happening within your body and the understanding of that is important however you're giving birth when we say the word physiological it literally just means what is happening on like a biological level in your body so yes that refers sometimes to physiological birth so a vaginal birth but physiology is happening all the time so even in a cesarean birth physiology is still happening your baby is still making a physiological transition from the inside of the womb to the rest of the world you are still going from being pregnant to not being pregnant so there are still physiological changes happening in your body and we can influence that and control that by what is going on in our mind so if we are able to feel calm feel confident then we are able to produce hormones like oxytocin, which is our love hormone. And in labour, that's responsible for initiating your contractions, regulating them, the length of them, the frequency of them, birthing the baby, pushing the baby out. But it is also responsible for bonding with your baby, for contracting your uterus back down after birth to stop you from bleeding too heavily, for establishing breastfeeding if you want to breastfeed. Like there is so much beyond just contractions that it's responsible for making you feel happy, for making you feel good. So we would like those physiological changes to happen literally however we're giving birth, which is why I think hypnobirthing is relevant for all kinds of births. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Do you think it's accessible though? Because like, there's a lot of people that I know that just don't bother with hypnobirthing. And I'm like, well, why? It's the best thing to do. Do you think that it's... Is it the name that puts people off? Like, what is it that makes people 
not know about hypnobirthing as such. I definitely think the name is idiotic. The first time I heard it, I was like, oh no, this is not for me. Strange turn of events meant we ended up doing it, but it wasn't something that I like willingly went into. I thought it sounded a little bit alternative, a little bit mm, unscientific, but ultimately it's like grounded in common sense, the vast majority of it. So I definitely think the name plays a part. I do also think that when taught badly, hypnobirthing has the potential to add a layer of trauma to somebody's birth experience. Sometimes, so hypnobirthing is not a regulated practice. So there isn't like a registry board that you have to be registered. Ultimately, you could crop up tomorrow and be like, I teach hypnobirthing. So it's not regulated. So different teachers, different books, different courses will all have slightly different approaches will all have slightly different aims will all have slightly different ways of teaching you can say you've done hypnobirthing and you can have an hour-long session tagged onto your antenatal course you can do hypnobirthing that is like very very focused on the hypnotherapy and not so much on the antenatal education sometimes it's presented with a kind of putting home water birth on a pedestal and making everybody else feel like anything else is wrong or bad I very much sit like middle of the road is like actually how can we make sure you're getting the right birth for you and if intervention is needed or is wanted what can we do to support the physiological transition the emotional experience and get the best birth for you that's very much my take on it but that's not everybody's take on it and so I think it's probably a combo of the name being strange and sometimes it feeling maybe more attached to a slightly more I suppose spiritual natural focus of birth which it will very much depend on who you've chosen to learn hypnobirthing from as to kind of which approach they might be taking. It's about empowerment isn't it? I feel like hypnobirthing just gives you a little bit more self-confidence and yeah self-belief that you are capable because I feel like when doctors get involved and it becomes really medical, your self-confidence is taken away and you kind of put it in the hands of, you know, doctors, which, you know, is understandable, but at the same time, it's your body, your baby, you're capable. If you can, like, wave a magic wand with birthing, what would that look like? Because I do feel like the more we've spoken, I'm like, yeah, there are many things going wrong in this country. Like, how do we fix it. I mean, like a $5 billion injection of cash to the NHS would be a helpful place to start. If anybody's got any contacts in government, that'd be helpful. I mean, the things that are currently not in our control that would be very helpful, number one would be that what basically the single biggest thing we can do to improve outcomes for women is to give them continuity of care from a midwife throughout pregnancy and birth. And in the like 90s, when we were born, that was it. There was like a midwife in our little town. And all of my friends from school they were all looked after by this midwife and you'd see her in Tesco's and everyone be like oh look there she is but the local midwife and it just goes to show how important relationship building is in birth for birth to work we need to feel safe relaxed unobserved and undisturbed and we are much more likely to feel that if we are supported only by people that we know and you see that you recognize need to be in that room with you yeah and and that goes however you give birth right like if you're having a cesarean and the person that's up by your head is talking to you and they're like oh grace look you're gonna meet your baby and you know we talked about this and we talked about that and you're like oh that was what happened to me yeah it was my team member in all my photos 
her hand is like on my face, wiping my tears away. And I hemorrhaged my second and she, yeah, was there making sure that I wasn't having an absolute meltdown. And she, yeah, seeing her face and knowing she was there and everyone in the room that knew who I was and it helped the situation so much. Yeah, it is so massive. I went to a conference once and they basically said how much money it would save the NHS if they just put enough money into that. And it was like the in the billions. It reduces everything from intervention to like babies needing special care and then the paying for all of that. And if you look at it like really long term, the support that those babies might then need at school, like it, it was in the billions, the amount that you could save. <laughs> just by giving women continuity of care. So you can sometimes work that to your advantage. There might be teams at your hospital that work under a continuity model. So you could literally ask, is there a team that I can be put under so that I see the same midwife every week? And some people will be getting this and it's amazing. Sometimes like home birth teams will have it that you're seeing the same midwife every time. So sometimes it exists. Similarly, sometimes like our local hospital has got a birth after a cesarean team that is, if you're planning, regardless of whether that's a VBAC or a planned cesarean again, that again that you're seeing the same midwife and that makes a huge difference it's worth asking for beyond that it's tricky and I don't feel like the responsibility should fall onto the shoulders of the people that are about to have their babies but at the moment it kind of does so there are things that we can do like doing you know our hypnobirthing course is very much focused on like making the most of the system who to ask if you want this who to ask if you want that but it's anything that is going to build the trust that you have in yourself. I'm not just talking trust in your body's ability to birth, but trust in your body's ability to tell you when something isn't quite right and believing it. Because sometimes we'll be like, oh, it didn't, I knew it didn't feel right, but nobody believed me. So I shrugged it off and I ignored it. Actually, if your body is telling you something and it's communicating with you or your baby's communicating with you and you've got that instinct, it's believing that and trusting that. It's trusting your ability to make decisions. It is trusting your ability to choose the team of people that you feel comfortable having around you. So yeah, anything that you can do during pregnancy, whether that is a hypnobirthing course like the birth ed one, or even mindfulness, meditation, reading lots of stories, whatever it is, building that self-trust. I think as women, we have basically spent best part of 20 30 40 years by the time we've given birth basically ignoring our bodies trying to please other people and really not prioritizing ourselves listening to what our needs are and it takes practice to be able to do that and that not to feel uncomfortable I feel like we could talk all day about this <laughs> I, I really can <laughs> where can people find you because I feel like a lot of listeners are gonna want to stalk you first of all but just gain more information around you know what you specialize in so main on social media I mainly am on Instagram we're at birth underscore ed on Instagram we've also got a podcast which is if you want hours and hours of this kind of chat um it's the birth ed podcast and you can sign up for our online pre-recorded hypnobirthing course at www.birth-ed.co.uk thank you so much Megan it's been so insightful and also like affirming as well so thank you good I'm so glad thank you for having me on 
Thanks for listening to Mum's The Words, a parenting podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch on WhatsApp where you can send us a voice message for free, even anonymously if you want, at 75 29537 Email us at pod at gmail.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.